Have you got World Cup fever? Absolutely. Although I was just saying, uh, just before we came on air, on air, online, uh, to start recording, uh, that I am I'm going to miss the opening game of the World Cup, it seems, because I have to do some stupid World Cup World Cup work thing. So, um, hmm. I mean, I may sneak out of my work thing uh, and find a corner in which to watch the game. And the opening ceremony, you can't miss the opening ceremony. It's going to be awful, but I, I can't wait to see what it's going to be. It was funny in um, the, whenever, like, in 2014, after the, the kind of incredible 2012 Olympic opening ceremony, to kind of go back to football opening ceremonies, they are not as good as Olympic opening ceremonies by any stretch. I mean, if you have to miss one game of this World Cup, missing that really dreadful fixture is not probably the end of the world, is it? <laughs> well, we'll come on to that. So so uh, talk us through uh, the format of this show, because uh, it's not a normal rank-up. No, it's not. And um, we are not going to break down in thorough detail every single team uh, in the World Cup, because we'll be here for four years. And and Well, we did do that once before, and it was four uh, hours. Yeah, it really was. I have to say, if you are looking for something like that, um, our friends over at the Talking Tactics podcast have done the most extraordinary job. And they're only a small podcast, and, and they've gone absolutely above and beyond. Daniel Tillock, who who is the, the host of the show, has interviewed people um, from all around the world. I think 31 out of the 32 teams he found an English-language-speaking expert on uh, Apologies to Costa Rica on his behalf. Um, but there, there's been an hour-long show every single day breaking down the groups with wow. these long, detailed chats with people. So um, if you want that, go and listen to Talking Tactics because it has been absolutely That's brilliant. That's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't heard any of that, but uh, I shall listen to Yeah, that. it's really real good. Um, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the things we're most excited for in each group. We're going to do predictions on each group. And, of course, in tradition... Ancient Rantcast tradition, we will be giving you the single funnest fact that we could find on all the countries involved in the World Cup. And we'll talk a bit about United stuff as well, too, because obviously, why wouldn't we? Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess I get Group A. Yes, let's get going. I'm glad I got that right, because imagine I'd got it the wrong way around. (laughs) (laughs) Hours of research on the wrong teams. I mean, has ever the phrase Group of Death been more unfortunately literal (laughs) ouch yeah um it's the group of i i might want to burn my eyes out after watching i I really don't know how to call this group either it's russia saudi arabia uruguay and egypt and um i don't know how to call it because it's four pretty bad teams although uh, that might be unfair on uruguay who who actually finished second in the common bowl qualification albeit 10 points behind brazil so, um, uh, Russia, Saudi Arabia opens on Thursday, the human rights fixture. Uh, and we've got uh, Russia, the, the hosts who've basically been pretty crap for more than two years. In fact, actually, if you look at their record, uh, they haven't gone past a group stage. So they've either failed to qualify or gone out of the group stage uh, since they became Russia. Um, so, you know, clearly... The, the fall of the Berlin Wall was a terrible historical mistake. <laughs> uh, many people in Russia believe, <laughs> including the president. Um, uh, so they didn't get out of the groups of Euro 16 either, nor at the Confederations Cup last summer. Um, 
remarkably, coincidentally, you might say, they got an extremely easy draw in this World Cup. Statistically, the easiest possible draw, I think, of all the groups. I believe it may be statistically the easiest possible draw relative to the competition as a whole of all time. Of all time, based on uh, FIFA rankings, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, bad Russia side, bad Saudi Arabia side. They they finished second um, in the third round of uh, Asian qualification behind Japan, but on equal points with Australia. And this is not a good Australia side at all. You know, when your star player is Tim Cahill and he's thirty eight and playing for uh, Millwall in the championship, you've got a problem. Um, and there's Uruguay, who said finished uh, second, um, and. Uh, and Egypt, who of course has got Mo Salah if he's fit, and they just about qualified right to death. So let's let's go through a, a few interesting things about some of the teams here. So Russia, as I said, not very good. Um, coached by uh, Stanislav Chersov, a former keeper. You might remember him. He had a had a, you know a decent ish career. He looks like an FSB agent, scary looking fella, and he's had. Eight jobs in the past fourteen years, none of which he's actually been very successful in. Which is kind of interesting. He won a couple of cups at Legia Warsaw. Um, fun fact: uh, they love poisoning people in Russia. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not a fun fact. Thirteen Russians and three Russian companies have been indicted by Robert Mueller in the uh, current investigation um, by the special counsel in the United States. Fun fact: <laughs> all thirteen of them. It's <laughs> like this group has got the best fun facts of all the fun facts. <laughs> And they're currently involved in uh, several wars around the world. United Connections, I can't find one, really, not in this Russia squad. I mean, obviously, we played played Seska a few times in recent years, and uh, we did once have Andrei Konchelskis, who was actually Ukrainian. But, you know, hey, if you believe Donald Trump, who said that uh, the people of the Crimea a Ukrainian province, are very happy that Russia invaded a couple of years ago, then uh, maybe Russia, Ukraine is all the same thing, right? <laughs> Saudi Arabia, the other half of the human rights fixture. Um, most of the players, in fact, almost all of them are from the domestic league. Uh, but they, they did this really weird thing in the winter where they sent out a bunch of players on loan. So Salim al-Daswari joined Villarreal, Yaha al-Shari joined Leganes, and um, Fahad al-Mawalhad, sorry about the dodgy pronunciation, joined Levante. Guess how many games all three of them played would, in the second half of the Spanish season? Zero. That would be zero, zero. zero games. Zero again. Nothing to do with the large amounts of money the uh, Saudi Arabian government paid La Liga. Uh, coaches Juan Antonio Pizzi, who you may remember, former uh, Barcelona Valencia player. Uh, he's managed around South Africa, South America, sorry. He's, uh, he was at Valencia for a while. He won the Copa America with Chile. Reached the final of the Confederations Cup where they were really unlucky to lose to Germany. And then they failed to qualify for this World Cup. He got sacked and then has taken up the Saudi Arabia job uh, in November. It's a really good emergency appointment, isn't it? If you're going to kind of parachute in someone for a tournament, that is not a bad option. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a good, he's a highly experienced, good quality coach. I mean, Saudi Arabia's problem is they've got no players of, of any quality at all. Um, and they're... You know, clearly going to finish last in this group. Um, fun facts, uh, they're g- engaged in a uh, financial terrorism of the Iranian regime at the moment, uh, backed by Eric Prince, who's uh, the former Blackwater boss, a uh, good friend of Donald Trump, um, and, uh, and George Nader, who is a convicted paedophile, also a good friend of Donald Trump. Uh, kind of weird. 
but you know, there you go. Just want to um, say at this point, my facts are going to be a lot more fun. Just to- <laughs> I've got some fun ones. I just thought I'd, you know, go go with the uh, the human rights uh, FC theme on this one. Uh, United Connection, there is one because Mohamed Al Salwari uh, chain, trained with, uh, who I mentioned earlier, trained with United for three weeks in March. Right, interesting. Um, uh, nothing, of course, to do with the large sponsorship deal. United just agreed with the sports authority there in Saudi Arabia. Why would it be? Why would it be? No, just completely coincidental. Uh, Uruguay, sorry, I'll rush through these because we don't want to be here for days and days. Uruguay, interesting because, you know, they were second in Comnebol. Um, they, uh, they had some good results uh, and they've got some very good players, you know, Edison Cavani, you'll all know. Luis Suarez, that's going to be a really potent attack. Uh, in defence, Diego Gardin, who's, you know, I think it's fair to describe him as world-class, you know, really top-class centre-back. I really do like uh, Diego Laxalt, uh, who's a sort of left-sided player um, at Genoa. Um, he failed at Inter, but he's really, you know, come good. He's sort of just about 25 now. I think, uh, I think he could be could be a good player so they've got some decent spine there uh, they've got Oscar Tabarez who's their coach who's you know super experienced um had jobs across Europe and South America won the Copa America with Uruguay in 2011 a few domestic cups um across a few different countries you know super super experienced coach um and and so you know I think this is a they're they're a good shout I'm pretty sure they'll qualify from this group. In fact, I think they'll probably finish top. Listen, there's been some really interesting dodgy meddling in something other than elections by the Russians. Um, fun fact, uh, they are the smallest nation ever to win the World Cup. Just 3.4 million people. Uh, in fact, probably just 1.7 million when they won the World Cup in 1934. Um, and uh, only Iceland, Northern Ireland, Wales and Slovenia are smaller countries to have ever qualified for the World Cup. Won the World Cup in 1930, 34. Yeah, and 50. Yeah, 30, and 50. United Connection, well, Guillermo Varea, remember him? I do. In the squad. I think I predicted he would be in Jose Mourinho's first starting eleven for a Bleacher Report article. That was uh, factually inaccurate. Factually uh-huh. inaccurate. Uh, another, another United Connection, Luis Suarez, the racist biter. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bad person. Well, he might not be a bad person. He's done some bad things. Uh, finally, I ran off this group, Egypt, who uh, qualified in spectacular style. Do you remember that last-minute penalty from uh, Mo Salah to take the, them through? Lots and lots of celebrations. There's a there's a, a downer to that, which is actually they had another game. <laughs> they could totally have qualified mm. in their next game. But... They did, they did, but there was a lot of excitement about yeah, yeah, it. <laughs> understandably so. Um, Salah scored over 30 goals in the Premier League this season, 10 in the Champions League. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of focus on him because he's a star man, assuming he's fit. I haven't actually heard about that for a while. Uh, um, I mean, there's, it's still touch and go, right? It's, it's, I don't think anybody Well, they'll knows. take him whatever. Yeah, of course. Not, no, yeah. uh, a few other players you'll recognise. Um, Ahmed El Mahadi at Aston Villa, formerly of Wigan. Um, Sam Morsi from Wigan also. Uh, Mohamed Eleni from Arsenal, you'll remember. Ramanez Sobi, he didn't play quite a lot. Didn't play very much, quite a lot. Didn't play very much at Stoke. Um, I mean, Hegazi played quite a bit at West Brom. So, you know, plen- plenty of um, local recognition there. Head coach, Hector Cooper, who you all know, of course. Um, you know, I, I almost, when I was writing my notes for this, I almost called him legendary. But And, and he almost was, wasn't he? I mean, you know, he was very famous in the early 2000s for losing <laughs> a lot of cup finals, including two Champions League finals in a row with Valencia. He was always like one of the 
top-rated baddie coaches in football manager games at the turn of the century. That's my main experience with Hector Cooper. I guess champ- yeah. championship manager games, I should say, to be technically accurate <laughs> for the time. Uh, my predictions, I think Uruguay will finish top and Russia second. And mm. um, the winner-runner-up fin- uh, play uh, the winner and runner-up from Group B. So uh, interesting that you've, you've gone with Russia rather than um, Egypt. And I, I think it's pretty clear that Egypt are a much better team than Russia. I mean, Russia of... They are. They are. I'm, but home advantage and all yeah. that is... Um, home advantage. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be interesting, couldn't it? Dodgy, dodgy penalty call, dodgy VAR. Yeah. Um, I didn't give you a fun fact about Egypt. Um, I, I had my written my fun fact along similar lines. Let's just say the Arab Spring didn't quite work out in Egypt. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Right, listen, it gets cheerier from here on out. Group A really does. Because, I mean, in a way, it's really fitting that there's a kind of conversation about how disgusting some of this World Cup is. Because this World Cup is about soft power. And um, there's never really been... As is the next one. Uh, I mean, yeah, but the next one everyone's been talking about since it was kind of announced, but they were announced together. And everyone just ignored this one, even though this one's straight up along the same lines. And I think... Well, look, look, at the risk of getting poloniumed, um, you know, you've got a terrorist state in Russia meddling in overseas elections. Uh, We know they meddled in the US election and and Brexit, uh, poisoning people overseas. Uh, What was it the um, BuzzFeed post had? Like 15 ex-Soviet... Uh, sorry, ex-Russian agents, people, enemies of the state poisoned over the last two years, uh, invaded a country uh, just a few years ago um, and is still an occupying force. So, yeah, um, all good there then, as long as the sponsors come in. Uh, Another fun fact about um, this World Cup is that um, actually after a lot of the big Western sponsors pulled out during the sort of FIFA, FIFA corruption crisis, Piles and piles of Chinese sponsors came uh, sponsors came in. So um, if you're going to Russia for the World Cup, you'll enjoy some um, uh, beverages that you might not have seen before. Interesting. Um, so uh, w- one of the questions that I, I asked us to work out before the game was to say, what are we most looking forward to from all the groups? What are you most looking forward to from this group? Let's see. We've got the terrorist state, the terrorist state, Luis Suarez's team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mo Salah's team. Mo Salah seems like a nice guy. Seems like a nice yeah. guy, but look, he plays for Liverpool, so clearly he's not. <laughs> this is this is a group of uh, unfortunate human rights situations and Liverpool stars. So it's, it's, it's yeah. a bad combination. Let's move on to a happy. So I'm looking forward to you know, Uruguay and Russia going out in the second round. Uh, let's let's move on to a much happier group. Group B. Mm. <laughs> the politics is going to stop here. Just want to say it's in the background informing everything else. But this group's going to be hugely shaped by the first round of games because of the way the fixtures have fallen. So Morocco play Iran and Portugal play Spain. And if both of those games result in a win, whoever loses them is going to be left at a pretty significant disadvantage. Because yeah. I think everyone's looking at this group thinking Portugal and Spain are going to just are going to qualify from it. But Morocco and Iran are both teams that could do something. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Quiero is still Iran coach, right? Yes, Ed. Way yes. to, way sorry, to preempt just... what's coming. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Let, say your piece. I, I will not interrupt again. <laughs> no, that's quite fine. Um, so the Portugal-Spain game on the first Friday night of the tournament is like 
And that's utterly mouthwatering. The first heavyweight clash of the World Cup, a brilliant test of whether the Euro 2016 winners are going to be able to like punch above their weight at another tournament and whether what is now six years on from their last major tournament win after like profoundly impressive results in their pre-World Cup friendlies and qualifying whether Spain are genuine contenders this time out. Mm. Only just beat Tunisia the other night, though, didn't they? Uh, they did, but I was thinking of the the game against Germany, which ended up in a draw, yep. but both teams just looked like real world beaters. And then Spain played Argentina and beat them 6-1, which was yeah. just absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, Portugal's interesting because they, they qualified well, right? They, they you know, won nine games and lost one or something like that. So Yeah. Uh, which is not kind of, you, we always associate them with sort of, you know, playoff, playoff, uh, you know, scraping through the playoffs into tournaments and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, being uh, 22 men plus Ronaldo. But this is a good squad. I think it was either Switzerland or Sweden who was in the same group as them that also got 27 points and ended up in a playoff. Switzerland. Right, I mean, how brutal is that to get 27 points and end up in a playoff? But fortunately, they've got to they've got to the World Cup. I mean, United interest in the Portugal team. There's always been a lot, but there isn't any anymore because whatever the people who attempted to crowdfund the return of Cristiano Ronaldo might say, he still has his name sung at Old Trafford, even though he literally agreed when Sepp Blatter said he was being treated like a slave when United didn't let him leave in 2008. And he's repeatedly used the club's name to get himself better deals at Madrid with no intention of ever returning to Manchester. Uh, maybe Die- Diogo Delot will be in the squad one day and we'll have someone to really root for. Um, yeah, is Nani in the squad? No, not anymore. Um, huh. I'm, I've said that very confidently, but I'm, I'm almost certain that Nani's been left out of the squad. Um, uh, interesting, like in 2016, Renato Sanchez was just, like, such a crucial player for them and I don't think he's in the squad at all after having like a torrid two years. But they're still managed by Fernando Santos, who managed Greece at the World Cup in 2014 and just looks every inch the Greece manager in that it's like they play... So, Portugal was so... I mean, they had that one amazing game against Hungary in Euro 2016, but most they just play really depressing football all the way through that tournament. Mm. And of course, this time they actually have a proper forward because it's Andre San- uh, Andre Silva from Milan, yeah. right? So who who is a very not had a great season, but he's a he's a very fine centre forward. And and it was the sort of joke with Portuguese football for years that they didn't have one. But they made one, didn't they? Anyway, because Ronaldo is just effectively just what I mean. What is Ronaldo now if not a centre forward? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Spain, when we're talking about United interest, on the other hand, have David De Gea, four-time United player of the season. He's asserted himself now as the undisputed number one for Spain after that sort of long willy-won't-he versus... Made, made a bit of a mistake the other he, night. He though. did, yeah. Getting it out of the way early, isn't it? It's, you know. Uh, it'd be fitting, I think, if he won the World Cup, given the bunch of chances he's currently playing for. Don't let him win the silverware that he probably deserves as the... Best goalkeeper in the world. I think it'd be lovely if uh, David Gea won the World Cup. I can't find any United interest in the Morocco team, but I didn't do the deep background that you did. So maybe there's like some hidden there. Um, but of course, Iran are managed by Fergie's favourite ever assistant, 
Carlos Queiroz. And Carlos Queiroz has done an absolutely banging job for Iran. Like, incredible. Didn't concede a goal in qualifying until uh, the game against Syria. That You might remember when Syria won 2-all to kind of make it possible for them to... Not won. They, they won 2-all. They, they they drew 2-all to make it possible. <laughs> Impressive. Make it possible for them to qualify, which they didn't in the end. But there was very yeah, emotional yeah. scenes. Let, let's not talk about that Syria side. We might get onto politics again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about Iran. It's, it's not impossible that this says a vaguely, I don't know, vaguely political. But um, Andy Mitten a couple of years ago went out and uh, spent some time with Kiarosh and did a big interview for four four two with him and it was really interesting. I mean, obviously, like a football mad country, a United mad country, um, and Kiarosh is wildly popular there. Um, and he's kind of stood up to the Iranian FA a few times to get things his way, and the, things have clearly gone his way. That game against Syria where they conceded a couple of goals, they'd long since qualified, so they just breezed it. And it's not, you know, there there are some teams in certain regions where you think like breezing through qualification is is easy and just makes sense, but there's no real inherent reason why Iran should be breezing through qualification where in, in the sure. group that they're in. So he's doing brilliantly. I've got some fun facts for you, though, Ed. This is what I'm really here for. Go on, then. Give, give us the fun facts on Iran. Uh, all right, we'll start with Iran. Um, the English word paradise comes from a Persian word meaning enclosed garden. So being able to watch four competitive in- internationals on the first Saturday of the World Cup sounds like an enclosed garden to me. Um, Portugal is the largest manufacturer of corks in the world. 70% of the world's corks come from there. They have the world's last cork forest. Someone get Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin out there for a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I might have known that, actually. Yeah, I, uh, I have been to Portugal many times and I uh, spent a long weekend in uh, Porto right. one, uh, one time, which was good fun, right. if very drunken. Did you open a lot of corks? Is that one of the things that you did? Yeah. Um, this is my favourite fun fact of any of the fun facts that I've come up with uh, or discovered. Um, oh, and by the way, I should say at this point, I have not thoroughly fact-checked any of these. Any website claiming to present facts about teams, uh, about countries, I have accepted at face value. Which is... seems, seems fair enough to <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, the first known stapler... Alternative facts, shall we say. The first known stapler was invented in Spain. Now that is a fun fact. The first ever stapler. Wow. Imagine, imagine a world with no staplers. And then suddenly someone's like, well, if you kind of put pressure like that, you can bend it round. It's genius. And anyway, I'm not Johnny Fact Checker here, but according to one article I read and a bunch of stuff that agrees with it online, the liver is the traditional organ used to represent love rather than the heart in Morocco. Moroccan fun facts for you. I've gone with a really boring prediction, though. Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Iran. But I don't think that is nailed. Morocco above Iran? Uh, Yeah, Morocco. There's a lot of talented players in Morocco. So they've they've done a big sort of rebuilding job um, where they've been extremely aggressive about targeting players in the diaspora around Europe. So um, I think they've got three or four players born in Holland, uh, two or three born in France, as you would probably imagine. Um, And so that's a really multicultural side. Um, And yeah, some some real bright sparks and lots of interesting young players. So it could be fun to watch. I I didn't mention earlier, I was... uh... I was going to make a joke about the the best Brazilian right back in the World Cup being Mario Fernandes, who plays for Russia. <laughs> right there, you go. Um, yeah, so that's that's Group B. Um, I mean, what do you think? What right. do you think? Do you think you think Portugal are going to? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm just expecting Spain to be really professional and yeah, know, they, and and they look really good and they've got world class players in every position. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did just wonder up front with Spain, though. I mean, they've, they've gone with Diego Costa, um, you know, and he's Diego Costa. Um, Aspas, is, they, they took along as the, the sort of second choice, I guess, and I'm not sure I ever thought he was that good. No. You know, so they're, they're really, really strong in defensive and midfield positions. I just wonder up front whether they are quite as strong, but they have so many so many players in so many flexible positions that um that you know for me they're probably just favorites for this do you think um you, and and i think that i think they'll win this group do you think and i think they'll probably beat portugal on the opening weekend do you think morata feels betrayed that iago aspas is in the squad do you get it betrayed by iago that's a, that's a bit, <sighs> bit of culture for you there just throwing a bit of culture why not well he's an intelligent man so you <laughs> probably get that reference <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that will never get. No, old. it won't. Um, the, the thing about Portugal, um, I mean Ronaldo. It, you say it's nine eleven ten plus Ronaldo, and it isn't. But it, mm, if they didn't have Ronaldo, would we be saying like, yeah, they're probably going to get through this qualifying? And like, if they do lose to Spain, it, you then the margins for error are tiny once you lose the opening game, sure. and that that. Could be really significant in that group, but I might be just overplaying it and they'll just beat more. No, no, I think that's, a, that's definitely a fair assessment. You lose the opening game. I, I don't know what the odds are on this. I should have looked up the data, but I'm going to say if you lose the opening game, there's a very small percentage of teams that then go through. Yeah. and Or a, you know, a reasonably small percentage that then go through. And, and yeah, there's going to be huge pressure on them if that happens. Uh, Ronaldo, of course, who was pretty poor in the Champions League final and the semi-final, but did score... I think twelve goals in the whole Champions League campaigns. He was a bit. He was a bit. Has he been right, top he? scorer in the Champions League for six years in a row, or something? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> something like that. Some some fact like that, and you know, won four out of the last three out of the last four Champions Leagues. Very good player. Hmm. Just he's, he's all right. Yeah, he scored more goals than games this season, <laughs> and he's supposed to be widening. And the whole first half of the season, everyone's like, he's finished. He's finished. Um, because he was like missing chances. To be fair to them, all the XG lads were like, "No, it's going to be absolutely fine." And then turn out they were right. They must love it. Then can you imagine how buzzing they'd be when he starts scoring after they've said that it'd be fine. He's going to start scoring again. Anyway, uh, we cannot afford digressions given how long this show's going to be. So right, up with group, group C. C: France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark. This should be fun. This should be fun. Uh, France. Pruh. Pruh. France have some talent, you could say. It's ridiculous. Um, is there? Is there? I, I mean, arguably, they're the strongest squad in the. Tournament. That's what I was going to say. Is there a squad with a higher mean level of talent? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Brazil. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean Brazil. I mean, I'll come on to Brazil later. I, I, I think there's a huge amount of talent in Brazil, but I think it's it's a bit more defensively oriented than than Brazil's of you know yesteryear. Mm. Um, so look, uh, France qualification. Um, in the end, it was easy, but it wasn't. It wasn't perfect, was it? You know, no. they lost the game. They drew a couple in a group that contained Sweden, Netherlands, a poor Netherlands side, Bulgaria, Luxembourg, and Belarus. Right. So there was one like you, the penultimate game week, I think, of uh, the penultimate international break, where they massively blew a fixture that they could easily have got through. And right, Lux- Bela- Belarus, Belarus, I think they yeah. drew with, didn't they? Yeah. Um, star players, I mean, obviously they've got Pogba and Griezmann and uh, Marseille's uh, Thalvin had a great season. Nabil Fakir, who uh, didn't join Liverpool last week. Um, uh, Thomas Lamar, who's obviously on the radar of every top team. 
Kylian Mbappe might be a once in a generation talent. Um, you know, so huge, huge amounts of talent in this squad. Probably play four three three. I mean, um, will they? Because this is if you play four three three, then you're talking about Mbappe, maybe even Giroud and Griezmann on the. No, I think Mbappe's going to play through the middle. Right, that's what I think. I think Giroud's coming off the and bench. He'll play. He'll um, play Dembele and and Mbappe and uh, Griezmann on either side. Yeah, or Lamar. Yeah, who's been playing off the bench more often than than Dembele? So you know, it's Lloris, obviously fine keeper, not great with his feet, but fine keeper. Sidibe, um, Titi, Varane, and Hernandez probably cross the back line. I don't know whether Mendy will start. I mean, he's the better player than Hernandez, but obviously missed most of the season. Kanten Pogba definite starters. Is it Matuidi in in the middle with them? There's, probably. There's been a lot of talk in France about whether Pogba should start if if they play four two three one. Because the thing is, four two three one was that was the formation that got the best performances out of them at Euro 2016 because it played Griezmann at 10 and that was, you know, that was the thing that made France click in the last Euros. Um, or maybe not against Iceland, Pogba was really good. But, you know, the, the, the 4-3-3, you're obviously, Pogba's like obviously going to play. But in a, in a two, there, there's a lot of talk about whether Pogba can play in a two and, you know. Well, it is Deschamps and they might... Um, they might uh, they could go more defensive and that would be the more defensive option to play two holders in there, mm-hmm. Kante and Matuidi. Um, they might do. I, I, I wonder whether the balance isn't better playing Griezmann, Mbappe and, and Dembele. But you get, um, you get... And you've got Lamar and Fekir who can all come on as well, which is kind of why um, um, Anthony Martial didn't make it because there are an awful lot of players who play in attacking wide positions. Yes. Um, and as you know, hugely talented as Martial is, he obviously spent a lot of the second half of the season on the bench. Yeah, and you know, in a way, it's either you're either looking at Lamar or Tovin as being the players that took his direct spot. That's those maybe Lamar you could say is the closest to the bubble because of of how good because France is weirdly parochial. Like if you're really tearing it up in the French league, there's a very good chance you're going to get sure. a look in for the national side and. Two, two biggest questions for me about France because they've got loads of talent. You know, will will Deschamps let the horses run freely? Mm. Probably not, mm. right? And is there a Plan B? Because at the moment, Plan B looks like Giroud, and that's it. But he's he's France's all time or joint all time record goalscorer. He is. He is. Yeah. Uh, so fun facts about France. Um, so I, I'm often making fun of you being, yeah, uh, you know, a Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Uh, of saying that the French are cheese eating surrender monkeys, and I think this is a bit unfair. Because I looked it up, and they're only fourth on the world cheese eating list. <laughs> so, <laughs> partially wrong yeah, that yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah. I, and and do you know who they're behind? This surprised me. Got to say, um, I, I, I didn't expect this, but go and have a have a is guess. It like it's per, a sort of per capita. cluster of con- countries near each. Is other. Is it per capita or or yeah yeah okay yeah. Switzerland, Germany, nope. Austria, no nope. okay no nope. Denmark, Iceland, and Finland. Wow. Love, love cheese. Why do you love the cheese, love the Scandinavians? Did, didn't realise. Um, is Iceland a Scandinavian? Country? I've got no Somewhere. idea. Literally not a clue. Hmm. Anyway, Australia, uh, another group C side. Not very good. Not very good, Australia. Star players, Brad Jones, <laughs> once a reserve at Liverpool, <laughs> now a reserve at Feyenoord. Uh, Mitch Langerak played for Borussia Dortmund and uh, Stuttgart a while back. Uh, Matthew Leckie played at Hertha Berlin for a while, scored five goals in his one season at Hertha Berlin. He's a forward. There's Tim Cahill, 
back at Millwall, age 38 now. Uh, Aaron Moy, who had a good, decent season at Huddersfield, I guess. Um, they only just qualified, so they uh, finished third in the second round of Asian qualification. Um, and uh, same number of points as the Saudis. Uh, had to play Honduras over two legs and, and uh, managed uh, a single goal over the two legs, which took them through. Um, they then sacked their coach. Well, Just like Lou, this, or he left this was, or was encouraged to leave really, after the qualifiers. A really strange situation, apparently, because he, I mean, although they did struggle with qualifying, that's, that's a talent thing. And he was really reinventing them as a kind of bold, attacking, young, dynamic side. And they've replaced him with Bert van Marwijk, which is yeah. that's a weird, a weird move. Not not the best coach to be bold and attacking. No. Yeah. United Connection couldn't find one. I mean, obviously, we had Mark Bosnich play for us many years ago. That doesn't count. But doesn't count. Not, not in this World Cup. Uh, fun fact, uh, I'll slick an, slip an extra shrimp on the barbie for you, <laughs> is, uh, is a saying that um, we all know because it comes from uh, a series of ads in the 1980s for the Australian Tourist Board featuring Hulk Hogan. Of course, um, Australians would never actually say that because they use the word prawn, not shrimp, which is Americanism. <laughs> Ed, I'm absolutely delighted by that fun fact. I found it to be delightful. Fun. Yeah, very, very, very fun. Yeah. Um, uh, Peru. Peru and Denmark uh, round out the squad. So Peru, who... They've got a sash. This is... Got a sash. They have. They've got a good kit. It's a good kit. Um, I like that kit. It's at least an 11 out of 10 kit. Uh, First time in the World Cup since 1982 for Peru. Yeah. Uh, finished fifth in Comne Bowl um, and ended up beating New Zealand in the, the playoff, intercontinental playoff. Um, but look, they had some good results along the way. They beat Uruguay, uh, got two draws against Argentina. Um, it's said to be a side, I have to say, haven't seen a lot of them. That's uh, more about hard work than than real talent, but it, you know, it got them through. Um, the biggest star is probably Paolo Guerrero, who's a 34-year-old striker, um, who's just come off serving six months of a 14-month suspension for taking cocaine. He claimed it was because he had drunk too much coca tea. So, um, really interesting story, this. All the captains of the, the other groups, uh, other teams in this group, wrote a letter to in, his, in support of him to his tribunal thingy, um, to give it his technical name, that... that Meant he, that thingy. meant he yep. could play in this World Cup because apparently it's very broadly known that this really was an accidental ingestion and he wasn't doing drugs. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, absolutely, totally believe it. I mean, I drank a lot of coca tea when I was in Colombia. That's a joke, by the way, people. Joke, if any colleagues are listening, joke. I mean, you just um, claim to drink a lot of tea, so to be fair, that's yeah. you can probably get away with that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coach Ricardo Gareco, Argentinian. There's, there's a lot of Argentine coaches in the every, World Cup. Every year, it? it's the same. Like half of uh, half of South American qualifying is managed by Argentinians, and a whole bunch of others as well. Um, he's uh, managed around the continent for for many many years. Obviously, sixties um, hasn't hasn't won anything for a decade, mind you. So he's uh, he's lucked on a decent side in pro. I actually I wonder whether they might go quite far because. Um, you actually look at their numbers in qualification and you think that they were probably a better side than just fifth. Mm. And fun, fun fact, go on, go on. No, I was just going to say fifth in South American qualifying isn't like 
that's that's very good. South America. Yeah, it's, it is hard to get through that. It's yeah. one giant yeah. league of every team in South America. So you know, if you think about that in European terms, there's plenty of teams that would finish well lower than fifth in European qualifying if it was like that that are in this World Cup. Very true. Um, other good players, no, uh, Jefferson Farfan. You're known. Fun fact, Ed. Was- fun fact. Well, I'm getting under a couple of players first. Okay. Uh, Jefferson, Jefferson Farfan now plays at Lokomotiv uh, in Russia, uh, formerly of Schalke. Um, uh, perennial favourite uh, of the Twitter sphere, I'd say. Uh, Raul Ridaz, Ridiaz is um, uh, talked about highly. He plays in uh, uh, Liga MX in, um, in Mexico. Young forward. Fun fact. The national dish of Peru is roasted guinea pig. I have eaten this. This is not a fun fact. It, yeah, it comes on the spit, the whole guinea this pig. This is a heartbreaking fact. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. It's, it's, they get kind of flattened and roasted over a spit. It's pretty awesome. I've never actually been to Peru, although I nearly did go a couple of times. So, uh, for a couple of reasons, it didn't quite happen. But uh, I, I've had this, not in Peru. Okay. Uh, is there one more team in that group? There is Denmark, who qualified having beaten Ireland in the playoff, 5-1 in the end. Um, uh, so the Irish couldn't complain about, you know, a non-existent handball. Just just waiting, pausing for the groans coming from our Irish <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Did you say, um, I checked th- out for a second now, I've just realised, I've rewound what you just said and realised you said non-existent handball. <laughs> I'm a fan of the French national team and Thierry was playing basketball that day. <laughs> uh, so they qualified behind Poland in their group and then beat the Republic in the playoffs. Uh, it's the first time in the World Cup since 2010. Um, you know, they were hot and cold through qualifying, a uh, slow start at the beginning of the group, then some really good results, beat Poland 4-0, 4-1 against Kazakhstan, 5-1 against Ireland in the playoffs. So, you know, maybe they're warming up. They've got some really good players and some really not good players. So uh, Christian Eriksson's obviously the, the star of this side. Um, you've got Cassius Michael, who's uh, you know, a very good keeper. Simon Chiar, who's I think he's having a better second half of his career than, better, than his first half. He was sort of wonder kid, went off the rails a bit, and now he's at Sevilla... Yeah, having a good, um, you know, having a good renaissance, I'd say. Um, they are not taking Nicholas Bentner, who's picked up an injury mm. and he's not certain to to be um, to be ready. Fun thing about Nicholas Bentner, he's now playing at Rosenborg and he scored um, over twenty goals this season in thirty games. So. Yeah, I mean, he's a wildly talented player. When he was on, but, but he's probably scored more goals in the last two years at Rosenborg than he <laughs> scored in the rest of his career put together. When he was on loan at Birmingham City, loads of my Birmingham City mates were like, "This kid is." going to be absolutely anything he wants to be and it didn't quite turn out like that but he did have bags of talent um some really good young players i'd say so andreas christensen at chelsea i think he's been coming into his own victor fisher at copenhagen not quite become the player that people thought but he's still a very talented player casper dolberg obviously played for ajax um against us in the uh, europa league last year very very talented 19 20 year old um there's Borussia Dortmund's new player, Thomas Delaney. Um, and they pick good players, don't they, Borussia? So, you know, there's some good young players. It's not it's not Denmark 1986 by any means. That was a, that was a side. It really it? was. That was a side. Uh, but they, they, uh, they're aiming very much to... that. that, that their Norwegian coach is apparently 
Um, this is all from the Talking Tactics podcast, by the way. Um, they're Norwegian coaches trying to get them to really embody the spirit of that side and kind of try and play that way. And they haven't had a player as good as Christian Eriksen since the Laudrup's retired, probably. That's right. That's right. Um, Ange Hari, Harida, is that how you pronounce him? The Norwegian coach. He, um, he played for Molder um, and Manchester City. <laughs> Boo. Boo in the early 80s. Boo, that's when they were properly crap. Um, and they were properly crap after that too. Uh, until uh, until they were saved. Um, he's been managing in Denmark and Norway all his career. Uh, various cups and leagues, one with Mulder, but then again, so did Oli Gunnar. Doesn't, doesn't a good coach make. Um, United Connection, Kasper Schmeichel, obviously Peter's son. Are we, are we allowed to talk about Peter Schmeichel, the worst pundit on television? <laughs> We're not adding any more digressions, Ed, because we are almost 40 minutes into this podcast and we haven't finished Group C yet. Oh, OK. Uh, fun fact. Five Danes have played for Manchester United. Can you name them? Yes. Jesper Olsen, um, Peter Schmeichel, uh, your man, you know, who started the Champions League final. What's his name? Was he Danish? Oh, I've got a horrible feeling no. he might have been Swedish. No. He was Swedish, wasn't he? Um, uh, <laughs> Which one are we talking about? Blomqvist? Yeah. yeah no, it's Swedish. Swedish, yeah. Um, Olsen? Oh, um, no, he's Dutch. <laughs> no, Jesper Olsen. Yes, no, Olsen. I, I, I named Jesper Olsen. Peter Michael, you've got... So you've got two so far I was so thinking far of Arnold Mirren, who is Dutch. Um, he's definitely Dutch. All right, hold on. Hold on. We can do this. No, no, no tapping. I'll hear. No, no, I'm not tapping. Ronnie Janssen? No. Swedish? Norwegian. Norwegian, damn it. Are they going to Solskjaer? You, no. you cannot tell <laughs> these Scandinavians apart. I want to make it very clear that the Solskjaer thing then was a joke. Um, why can't I think of any of our Danish players? Sh- shall I help you? Yeah, give me positions. Would you like to phone a friend? Is Alex Putner Danish? <laughs> <laughs> a goalkeeper. I'm... Not Peter Schmeichel. Oh, At one point, some people, some very, very wrong people, thought he was better than oh, David De Gea. Oh, Lindergaard. There you yeah. go. There oh, you and go. That's, All right. that's led me to his brother, Jesse Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. Um, uh, defender? Uh, fullback or central defender? Fullback. A fullback. Stretching my knowledge of the eighties. Oh, okay. I have a horrible feeling I may have got his position. No, wrong, I'm giving. Yeah. I'm giving up if it's an eighties fullback and I can't immediately. Pick okay, off. Johnny Severbeck. I was gonna say. Now, oh, I was gonna say John Severbeck. Of course, of course I you was. were. Uh, of course you were. Final one is a kid. Oh, okay. I give up. He did play. He did play. Joshua King. No, he's Swedish. No, he's Norwegian. <laughs> God, you're such a racist. Imagine, imagine, just swap Denmark, Norway. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sweden is, for Senegal, Nigeria, and Ivory Coast. I'm so sorry. The thing is, we've got loads of listeners and backers in all of these wow. countries, and I've just alienated all of them. I'd like to apologise yeah. to everyone individually from you should do. all the countries you should do. that I've mentioned. When you run for office, <laughs> we'll bring this out. Yeah, okay. All right, the final one is Mads Tim. Remember him? I Super do, kid, yeah, Wonder I kid. do. I would have. All right. I wouldn't have guessed he was Danish. I'd have guessed he was Norwegian. Let's crack on. Group D: Argentina, Iceland. Oh no! Uh, you need to predict what order that group's going to finish. This is a really hard one. Yeah, that's why I'm making you do so, it. Obviously, France. Yeah. Uh, Australia coming last because they're shit. <laughs> yeah. Peru or Denmark? Peru or Denmark? Peru or Denmark? 
I'm uh, I'm just going to edge towards Denmark, but it's going to be the game between the two of them should be a cracker, and it will decide. It. I'm terrified of France like blowing this really big time, but I think that's that's nonsense. There's no reason they should. Um, right, Group D: Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. The thing I'm looking forward to in this group is really simple. It's messy. So at 30, this is probably his last peak level World Cup. Can the people around him finally stop letting him down? Will he get his Maradona 86 moment? The answer is probably no on both counts. But Jorge Sampaoli's commitment to attacking football um, means that they'll be like they'll be fun, right? Argentina are going to be fun to watch. And assuming they don't blow it, there's going to be fierce competition for second place in this group. Like, it, there's definitely an argument for all three of these teams. Um, they've all got very distinct strengths and weaknesses. Um, I said this about France, but it feels even more true about Argentina. I don't think it's impossible to imagine them imploding and fail to qualify. Remember 2002? It was like such a talented Argentina side with full of talent and they didn't make it out of the group stages because once you start stumbling we talked about it earlier it it can it can really accelerate Croatia uh, and of course since Romero is out of the World Cup yeah exactly we used to call him Flappy Serge but we can't call him that anymore because he's like uh, well his his knee might be a bit (laughs) flappy but yeah his his hands aren't uh, they're fairly safe these days he's clutch Serge you know just play him in cup finals he's fine um so many attacking players, though. I mean, who who are all there for? Is it Messi, Di Maria, Pavon? We're not, not going to do this. Higuain, Ed, is Higuain coming? Ed, we're not going to do this. We're not going. We're not going to list all the all the good players that Argentina have. It will take forever. Okay. <laughs> um, Croatia bringing through some younger players, which are really badly needed. This is. Modric and Mandzukic's last World Cup, probably both 32. Rakitic, 30. Perisic, 29. Um, so it's probably... Oh, what are you talking about? Man- Mandzukic is moving to United, so he's got plenty of League Cup finals to come. <laughs> That's true. Um, Iceland, obviously, building, looking to build on that remarkable... Can, can you pronounce all the Icelandic players' names? No, I'm not even going to try. I mean, listen, I'm not going to get into that after what just happened when I tried to name Danish football. They like cheese, though, don't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, apparently. No, you know. That, that's why they're so, you know, strong and like, you know, is wildling looking. Is, is cheese related to beard growth in some way? I, I think it must be. Uh, so um, they, you know, they they qualified top of their group, a really well organised four four two, and you know, an absolute triumph of team building and consistent, coherent sporting policy from the government, building loads of indoor football arenas. And, you know, it, it is a, a kind of one of those success stories you hear about of well-organised international federations. Um, yeah, Niger- we'll find out it's doping a few years <laughs> down the line. And Nigeria, I've heard a couple of different Nigeria fans saying that their hopes of getting through the group rests on Victor Moses playing well. Um, it doesn't matter what they do. That shirt is fire. <laughs> It's really great. It is. I mean, I know this is the most cliched Mundial Mag thing that you could possibly say, but it's, listen, some cliches are cliches because they're true. That Nigeria kit is absolutely ridiculously hot. Um, And, and the thing is, even though like Victor Moses is their star player, which is an extraordinary statement. I mean, you know, Nigerian fans, I think, get very frustrated at Chelsea that he's playing a right wing back because he is that he'll play he might play at number 10 for Nigeria um I mean he might play on the wing but he might play at number 10 
Um, and they did get for a really tough group, a really tough group in, in qualifying. Mm. Uh, it didn't look that great against England, though. No, well, say. no, but then then they changed it quite a lot at half-time. And, and they did. it's going to be really interesting to see whether, like, does Mikel, is Mikel going to start and be that kind of metronome, sort of Nigeria Michael Carrick role for Mikel, you know. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting what they do. And you'd have to say that Iceland and Croatia... Both definitely beatable because Croatia. Everyone, it was really interesting listening to the. I know I've mentioned the, the talking tactics boys a lot, but the, listening to the Croatian expert, he was very down about their chances. Very like saying, "Yep, of course we've got Modric, Mandzukic, Rakitic, Perisic," but it's actually quite difficult to fit them all into the same team. And you get the kind of Lampard Gerrard problem there, um, and they are they are bringing a lot of young players through. So you know we'll, we'll see if they can. And and at the Euros, you know they looked brilliant on their day. And then mm. all that stuff happened with the fan trouble in the crowds and they really went off the right, board and yeah. didn't make it out of the groups. So we'll see. Um, Romero's injury means that Marcus Rocco is United's only player in this entire group. Although, of course, Jose Mourinho no doubt wishes Perisic could be included on the list. <laughs> I'm sure sure he does. All right. Um, so, v- v- fun facts. Argentina, Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria. That's my prediction. But Argentina, Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria. Not uh, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if Iceland made it out. No, me neither. Would I it? wouldn't be surprised if Nigeria made it out. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three teams came second. Though that's basically just you know predictions based on very little. So I've got some good. Oh, some banging fun facts here. If you're getting the impression, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm only really in it for the fun facts, it's not far off. Um, so Argentina was the first place where fingerprints were used to solve a crime. They didn't test the ball wow. Maradona punched into the net in 1986, did they? <laughs> <laughs> but, but they had fingerprints. Yeah, exactly. Fingerprints were all over that. Um, Iceland's game against England. I don't think you have fingerprints on your knuckles. Just, no, just that's saying. true. Okay, fair enough. Maybe that's that was why it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, the, the, in the late 19th century, um, Argentina was the first place where fingerprints were used to solve a crime. Iceland's game at England. Everyone talks about percentages when it comes to Iceland. I was, I was trying to quickly look up earlier what percentage of uh, Iceland's population was um, in the squad. And I think it's something like 0.03. It's a big number. It's a big percentage. Uh, but 99.8% share of the TV viewing audience um, Iceland's game against England at the Euros got, meaning that about 650 people in the whole country didn't watch it. It's amazing. Uh, talk- Absolute traitors. <laughs> Do they have an excuse? Maybe they don't like football. Like, that seems... I don't, I don't believe that figure, by the way. I'm sure that's not true, but still. <laughs> uh, the Croatian town, talking of figures you don't believe, the Croatian town of Hum is reportedly home to between 17 and 23 people, making it the smallest town in the world. That is a very small town. I mean, they call it a town, but that is essentially just a big house. Um, I was looking up... Pi- Do they all live together? I was looking up pictures of it on um, on Wikipedia, and one of the pictures was captioned A Street in Hum. A Street? <laughs> <laughs> the Street. Yeah. Um, it's got a wall around it and everything, although calling it a town seems fairly ridiculous. All right. Um, and finally, Nigeria. Uh, these are all numbers apart from the Argentinian one. The Nigerian film industry, Nollywood, is the second largest producer of movies in the world behind Bollywood. Both of them are ahead of Hollywood, meaning it doesn't really seem fair that the first two are named after the third placed one. They should rename, like, Hollywood American Delhi or something. Doesn't really work, though, does no. it? 
No. But anyway, Nollywood make a lot of films. They do. Do they make a lot of films in Brazil? Uh, have we done, have no we done idea. four groups? Yeah. Let's do Twitter questions, Ed. We, we need a break. All right. We need a break from all this group talk. Let's do some Twitter questions. Liz Moore asks. Let's at Liz. Wilson Hi, Liz. On. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. She's asked this question for the last, like, six weeks in a row, and I keep forgetting to ask okay. it. Okay. Who'd play you and Paul in the Rankast movie? You say it's going to have to be the Rankast movie World Cup edition. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, listen, Ed, I think they'd cast Brad Pitt as you, and like I'd be cast by Jonah Hill or something. I feel like that, that sort of works. I was just watching uh, the Brad Pitt Netflix movie, and I've completely forgotten what it's called, about the uh, about war in Afghanistan. Right. Kind of, kind of weird. Right. Wasn't that impressed? Right. Yeah. There you go. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they'd get him to play you in the movie. Uh here's a uh here's a World Cup related question that we were going to answer, so let's do it now. Uh Joey Mangini, Joey M underscore UX, friend of the show, says, Who do you predict to be the four semi-finalists? No, we're not doing that. We're doing these at the end of the show, Ed. Oh, any come any on. that are already any that are included in the structure are we gonna save for the end of the show? All right, well you've been name checked. <laughs> name checked. Cheers, Joey. Did you guys celebrate Fekir Friday? <laughs> it's not a World Cup question, but I just thought I'd throw that one in so there. Th- I've missed this by not by dent of dint of not being on Twitter. What are we talking about here? Uh, so Fekir, the French left-sided attacking midfielder yeah. from Lyon, fine player, decent, decent player. Fine, I don't think he's all that. But, you know, he's he's all right. Um, he's no Tony Martial. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, apparently, agreed a forty-eight million pound transfer to Liverpool, uh, only for uh, the deal to break down, uh, with the Lyon president saying it's off right. until after the World Cup. Right, there we go. At which point he'll no doubt solicit new bids. Right, and he'll probably end up at Liverpool with Fabinho. Just a bit, yeah, a bit upset. So about uh, that. on the side, Liverpool appeared to have leaked the results of his uh, medical, which showed some kind of uh, knee problem. And they tried to renegotiate the terms. Oh, very, it's all very. Um, I guess uh, we'll we'll talk about United's transfers another time. When we're about to talk about Brazil, so we'll talk about it then. What, what other questions have we got? Uh, at written off underscore MUFC says, who should partner Jordan Henderson for centre at centre back for England? <laughs> at centre back, why is Jordan Henderson playing at centre back? Uh, I think this was Tony Cascarino in his column. Right. He suggested Henderson should be playing in oh centre-back for England. <laughs> this is Republic, former Republic of Ireland international Tony Cascarino, of course. With the most bizarre column in the Times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, which player we keep an eye on, says at Lucas underscore M United. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm really excited to see Fred in action since I... Well, I was going to say I've never watched him before, but you assure me that I have, in fact, watched him twice um, when United's under David Moyes played whatever team it was he played for at the time. Um, but I don't remember him. So I'll be I'll be interested to see. Will he play for Brazil? Uh, he should do. If he gets fit, he got an ankle injury in training the other day. But yeah, he's been coming on or starting some games. So, you know, he'll, he'll play during the tournament. He might not be in the starting eleven. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see him. And then, like, you know, is... is Milinkovic Savic is that is that happening? Uh, I mean, uh, who knows? I, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, he'd certainly be playing for Serbia, yeah. and he's probably probably going to move, you know, for big money. Yeah. So whether that's to us or not, who knows? Maybe that's one of those things that was 
you know, just a lot of a lot of smoke with no fire. But um, I'm interested to see him just because he's got the big reputation and everything. And I didn't watch much of Lazio last season at all, if any. Yeah, I mean, you always get a breakout player, don't yeah. you? Uh, at the World Cup, I I don't know whether it's any of the younger players. I was, you know, when I was researching this, trying to think of some of the the top young players who might come through. Um, you know, I, a couple of seasons ago, I'd have been tempted to say it would be Briel Imbolo from Switzerland mm. who who joined um, Dortmund, uh, not Dortmund. Where did he go to? Werder Bremen. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, but he's had a hard time, injury and being, you know, really bad knee injury. So it's perhaps not him. Pavon, I mentioned earlier from Argentina. A lot of people talk about him. I don't watch the Argentine uh, first division very much. So, you know, um, Andre Silva was a really good younger player. He's had some tough times at Milan, I'd say. You know, he's he's scoring, but not scoring tons. But um, I think he's got everything to be a really top class forward. Could happen if if um, if Portugal go a bit further, and Milinkovic Savic. You know, every time I've seen him, he does look like he's got everything. Mm. Um, you know, he's a big unit, wins a lot of aerials, as uh, our um, stats friends would tell us, um, and he's very very good on the ball. Right, excellent. All right, Yuri Tielemans at Belgium as well. Uh, yeah, that's um, seeing him. Tielemans yeah. is interesting, right? Because is he gone to Morocco? Um, to Monaco? Sorry, did he go to Monaco? I actually don't remember. No, I mean, I, I remember. I don't think he did yet. No, but anyway, so it's going to be, he's a, a player who's just going to be fascinating to watch. But I, I'm I'm really interested, as always, to see players I just don't know, you know. That's the always the exciting thing about the World Cup. And we'll talk yeah. a bit about that later. Yeah, I think he did go to Monaco, thinking about it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, all right. More questions. At Brigley 3 says, uh, which star in Russia will be linked to United and end up at Real Madrid? Unfair. <laughs> Unfair. When when did we last lose out on the target to Real Madrid? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, at Henry C. Kremplis says, when is it over? July the 15th. And really, really? A summer without Mourinho? When's it's the World the... Cup over? What disgraceful question. Get out. Get out. I was going to say it's the summer without Mourinho and all the drama, which I, I was actually really looking forward to. But of course, he's uh, punditrying for RT this summer. He'll just be, he'll be in, he'll be on good form. He'll be in charming mode. He'll be relaxed and happy. And it'll be really annoying when he comes back to United and looks miserable for another nine months. At new underscore Dave underscore Rock says, Do you actually care about international football? No, not normally, but it's the World Cup, so it's awesome. Yeah. I- Three games a day, four on Sundays. I do not understand this. I, I During the domestic season, international qualifiers kind of get in the way. They break up the rhythm of the season. They're, you're, you're fully in partisan mode, so you don't really want to see your lads lining up with the baddies. Um, but international tournaments are the best form of football. Like, I definitely... I mean, they don't happen very often. They're over really condensed, short periods of time. They're amazing. The World Cup is the best thing in football. Yeah. Uh, at LJS527 says, if Pogba has a poor World Cup for France, are you worried about his 2018-19 for United? I'm worried about it if I, he I has mean, a brilliant World Cup for France. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I mean, he has a brilliant World Cup for France and he's playing in a three and he's storming. He's world class. I mean, surely Mourinho has to look at that, but surely. But I don't think that's, uh, that's going to happen. I mean, maybe it will. Maybe Deschamps will kind of 
put his arm around him and say, you're my guy. We know that Mourinho is treating you terribly, but don't worry. We've got you. We love you here. You know, all this kind of stuff. But I'm not sure that's the show, really. I'm not sure. that mm. I think Pogba needs a coach like that. And he's kind of looking for one. And I, I, I'm, I'm worried about his long-term, medium-term future at United even, I have to mm. say. At Nick Gilbert 86 says, who wins the golden boot, Jesse or Marcus? <laughs> Jesse, definitely. Big game player. Although that... Rashford's goal the other night, that was, you know, spanking him past Kaylor Navas. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. What a hit. I, I mean, I, I, clearly, obviously, I'm massively biased, but I think both of them should start for England. Oh, Rashford no just because his productivity is really high. And, and Jesse, because those he's the only player in the England squad who's actually going to make that third man run over and over again. And, uh, and Southgate's a smart guy. I think he'll pick him. I, I think Lingard is definitely going to start England's first game. I'm not sure that um, Rashford will. Maybe we'll have a bit of a more in-depth conversation when we get to England because obviously there's some vested interest there. Mm. So let's do the next group, shall we, Ed? Okay, final question. And I'm sorry for everyone who we didn't get to. We'll have uh, many more podcasts during the World Cup or at least a couple. Um, this one's for you, Paul. At Moo underscore CW says, will it be Mourinho's fault when England crash out of the World Cup? <laughs> yeah, for undermining Marcus Rashford's well-being. Why is that for me? That's that, that's that's fully an Ed question, that is. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Group E. Let's do it. Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. This is good, actually. Some good quality there. Brazil. Um, all right. So uh, it's not quite the Brazil, I think, of the 70s. But then it hasn't been quite the Brazil of the 70s for a very long well, time, since, has it? Since literally the 70s. I mean, yeah. in 1982 is the sort of peak Brazilian... Like, that's the most Brazilian Brazil ever. 1982, probably. They've got plenty of really good attacking players. So their midfield, though, it's actually full of like kind of functional players. So attacking players, obviously Neymar, he's fit, he scored again. You know, he looks good. Gabriel Jesus, uh, Firmino from Liverpool, Coutinho uh, took him this time. Um, in you know, then I, I talk about the more defensive players. Fred from United, Casemiro, excellent at, at Real Madrid. So you know, I think they're really strong through midfield. Um, they're actually strong in. In goal this time round, because Allison from Roman Edison, uh, both two very good, um, two very good keepers. Uh, scoring goals will it be a problem with all those attacking players? Well, only Neymar and Paulinho have got more than ten for the national team. But this is actually, you know, not that many goals in this squad. But that's, I mean, that's about the age of some of the players, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. fact that f- for a lot of young players, other, other Fred and Joe were being picked by Dunga. I mean, you know. Th- the kind of functionality of this Brazil team was a massive problem under Dunga. They were way too functional, but Tite, Chiche, I guess it's pronounced, has really focused the team on attack. He's also... And they, and they got 40, 41 points from 18 games. You know, yeah. they qualified super, super comfortably, which hasn't always been the case over the last 20 years or so. The first team to qualify uh, by, you know, yeah. Russia were obviously there, but the first team to join Russian qualification. And, and- United Connection... <laughs> Fred, obviously. So, um, Ed, tell me about Fred. Fred? Fred, Well, you know, I'm not going to pretend to have watched um, an awful lot of the Russian League, so I haven't. The Russian Um, League? Ukrainian (laughs) League. I've watched even less of the Ukrainian League. I haven't played for Shakhtar, but he did play against United once, not twice. He wasn't, he was, uh, he played in the uh, the Um, one-all. And uh, I don't remember him playing, so there you go. 
Um, but he's a defensive midfielder or, you know, lots of energy, gets around a bit. His numbers look good uh, for that kind of player. So, you know, checked him out. Um, uh, he's got a couple of decent show reels on YouTube and he's going to be all energy and he could be the player that releases Paul Pogba. But then again, that was supposed to be the Manu Matic, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but he's, he's, you know, I think the player who really suffers for this is Ander Herrera, clearly. You know, he's not a direct replacement for Michael Carrick, not that kind of, you know, uh, quarterback, but um, does have a nice range of passing off his left foot. Again, YouTube reel. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's Ander Herrera who's in trouble and not, not surprising that there have been sort of reports that Ander Herrera may be moving back to Spain. Right. Um, but so for Brazil, uh, they're really solid everywhere, I think. I think there is, there's not a position in that side where you look at and go, hmm, um, maybe their first choice right back got injured. Um, Daniel Alves yeah. got injured, yeah, and the other one is Russian. Um, so they'll play with Danilo at right back, probably. Yeah, which that's that's perhaps a, a bit of a weakness. But, you know, Marcelo at left back, they've got fine central defenders, brilliant goalkeeper, very, very effective functional midfielders who will recycle yeah. the ball to their forwards. I oh, know they're high, really high-quality side, mm. you know, and uh, and if they can get it to Neymar and, and Jesus and Firmino, they're going to score goals. And so. Firmino might not even play. So he might not. Coutinho. No, no, he might not. It's, yeah, it's not obvious that he will. Coutinho... Uh, Coutinho Gabby Jesus and Neymar is one heck of a front three, though, isn't it? It is. Um, and in the interest of time, I'll go through the rest of the group a bit more quickly. But fun fact about Brazil, mm-hmm. most popular name in Brazil is Silva, and they're not even taking the De Silva twins. I'm counting De Silva in the... Um, unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable, yeah. Um, there are five Silvas or De Silvas in the Brazil squad. Can you name them? No, I can't name any anyone. I'm not naming anyone today. It is Marcello, Thiago, Danilo, Willian and Neymar. There you go. I did actually check that out. That's how sad that was uh, to get that fun fact. Other, other fun fact, Tite's nickname, um, Tite, he got that because um, his coach, I think it was Phil Scolari, his coach at under-14s, thought that he remembered him being the player that he used to play alongside as a schoolboy, who was Tite. Um, and it just stuck from there. I feel bad for other Chiche. Hmm. Switzerland are the other group. They finished second uh, behind Portugal. They won nine out of their ten qualification games, so they were pretty unlucky. And then they beat Northern Ireland with a really, really dodgy penalty. Yeah. Uh, over to really, really dodgy. Um, they've got some good players, though. They've got um, Akanji from Borussia Dortmund. Fine defender uh, I was going to say Granit Xhaka but he's, he's, we've seen with Arsenal he's actually he's not all that Mbolo I mentioned earlier he's got all the potential really talented forward uh, it was unlucky to get a really serious knee injury but he was uh, Schalke's record signing um, I think I said Werder and Borussia Dortmund before <laughs> some German side whatever um uh, interesting coach for Switzerland Petrovic who's you know not really had much of a coaching career or a, or a playing career. But, you know, there you go. He, he won the Coppa Italia with Lazio uh, four years ago, which was good. United Connection, none. But can you name the only Swiss player ever to have actually made a first-team appearance for United? 
listen, I'm just going to save everyone time and I'm going to no. like save me mentioning loads of Austrians and Italians and Germans and French people and just say... They're, they're almost Swiss. <laughs> Saidi Yanko, do you remember him? Yes, I do. I did not realise he was Swiss. I remember him well. He was... Um, did he play against Milton Keynes? Is he... Is that... Was that... The, was the, he one of those? I think, I think he was remember. one of them. I think he was one of Louis van Gaal's tiny children. Fun fact about Switzerland, mm-hmm. it's not about chocolate. The official name of the country is the Confederatio Helvetica, which I thought was a font, mm-hmm. but apparently it's not, uh, in Latin, which is only ever actually used on legal documents. But it's why the abbreviation for the country is CH. There you go. Good. That another. That's a, I'm not sure how fun it is, but it's a good fact. It's, it's fun for nerds. <laughs> Costa Rica. Um, who uh, fourth in uh, World Cup qualifying in uh, Con- CONCACAF region ahead of Panama, uh, Haiti and Jamaica, um, and then second in the second stage called the Hexagonal, um, uh, behind Mexico but ahead of Panama, Honduras and the US and Trinidad and Tobago. So, you know, they've um, they've uh, done well. They did well last time as well. Remember that uh, penalty shootout they lost to the Netherlands in the last World Cup? Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, when we were all rooting for the Netherlands because of Louis. Yeah, uh, Kayla Navas in goal. Yep. Obviously, we know him. Kendall Watson, um, who's who's been a, one of the better players in MLS over the last couple of seasons. Brian Ruiz, you remember from his Fulham days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a bloke who came on against England the other day called Ian Smith. Way <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I, I, lo- I believe me, I looked everywhere to try and work out why he's called Ian Smith. <laughs> I think I there's, lots of, there's lots of Costa Rican folks with very sort of Western, well, not Western, I mean, not Romance language influenced sounding names. Yeah. Uh, Coach Oscar Ramirez, um, he's uh, possibly one of the best uh, coaches in Costa Rican club football history. Wow. Having won, uh, having won five league titles with Ala Helense. Um, and uh, he was um, appointed uh, for the second spell at Costa Rican national manager a couple of years ago. There you go. Um, United Connection, none that I could work out, except, of course, Kayla Navas almost joined United, <laughs> but for a dodgy fax machine. Sitting on the tarmac crying about not being able to join United and had to make do with winning every Champions League since. How he regrets that. <laughs> yeah. Never happening. Um, and uh, Costa Rica's under-23 coach is Paolo Wanchepe, who scored that amazing goal at Old Trafford, and I'm never forgiven him for it. Honestly, but you can't not love Paolo Wanchepe, can you? Because, like... That is how football should always be played. Fun fact. Yes. Some could argue uh, with the definition of this, but Costa Rica is the first and so far the only Central American football team to win a game at the World Cup. Well, doesn't isn't Mexico in Central America? Mm. Well, yeah. Some people wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. But, Apologies, um... man. I'm just I am just an international relations mess today. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. Okay, right. Serbia is the final one. Um, <laughs> okay, I am definitely not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You spark another war. <laughs> who have they got? They've got Matic, uh, the aforementioned Milinkovic-Savic, uh, Branislav Ivanovic is the captain, still playing, now at Zenit. The coach is interesting because he's a former Bundesliga defender, Mladen Krastic. Um, it's his first management job, um, which is uh, a bold move, I'd say, from the Serbian um, FA. Uh, he played for Serbia at the 2006 World Cup. Uh, who's going to win this group? I haven't got any fun facts about Serbia. 
<laughs> we just I'm like we just of... worried. <laughs> you just just like listen of bit. all the countries I don't want to upset. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about Russia's human rights record, but I'm not saying anything about Serbia. Yeah, um, de- depends how you define it. Uh, they've played a lot of World Cups. If you include Yugoslavia, bit contentious yeah, that just one. A um, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia is where I'm going. Okay, so you... But it could be close because Costa Rica are a decent and size. so Serbia. Like, Serbia, Serbia are... So Serbia. There's nothing that they are a perfectly functional, decent side that could... That I, I definitely think this is another one of those groups where it's... I mean, Brazil, I think, will presumably walk qualifying and it's going to be fascinating to see because what... I, I wonder whether Switzerland will be undone by their tendency to just sit back behind the ball and be, yeah. you know, well-organised and stuff. But that could, on the other hand, make it so that they get through because football is an amazing game when nobody knows what's going to happen it, it's like Serbia is hard to it's hard to tell because they, they they were in a pretty average group Ireland, Wales, Austria Georgia, Moldova right? I mean it's kind of I know average. Wales did it they did well at the Euros yeah. but you know it was it feels like a one-off doesn't yeah. it so are, are they any good Costa Rica you know pretty good in qualifying for a tiny 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 country um, and actually looked decent against England the other night not great but decent so, um, uh, you know, it'll be tight. It should be fun. There should be some fun games in that one. And Group F. Talking of fun games. Listen, I said that there's nothing certain about in football but poor old Mexico. Since 1994, they've been in every World Cup. They've made it out of every single group stage and never got past the second round. They've been knocked out in the second round of every World Cup since 1994. And they're in a group with Germany. And if they finish second, they play the winners of the group that you've just been talking about, meaning they're almost certainly going to play Brazil and get knocked out in the second round again. So, And they'll be great and they'll lose to a goal in the 119th minute. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, that's uh, that's... That's, I think the one certainty in this World Cup is that Mexico are going to lose to Brazil in the second round. Um, oh, well, Mexico, there's always 2022. Um, seeing how well Germany do in this group is the thing that I think I'm most looking forward to because it's. I think this is this is almost a kind of ideal level group for eventual winners because, I mean, South Korea are genuinely not very good, but they've got... They have got some very fine players in that not very good side. And so... I think every game in this group for Germany is going to be challenging and is going to kind of have a, like a different ask of them, but none of them are going to kind of be incredibly taxing, emotionally draining games, you wouldn't imagine. So I feel like it's a brilliant sort of warm-up group uh, for Germany. Um, uh, so United interest, ex-Reds in this group, like Javier Hernandez and Thomas Muller. Um, and a current Red you've probably forgotten about in Victor Lundelof. Um, who plays for Sweden, of course. Not Denmark or Norway or Iceland. <laughs> um, Thomas Muller, not really a red. That was a joke. That was a little joke about transfer rumours for you there. Um, and no Zlatan for Sweden because, as we all know, he doesn't have legs anymore. Scored for LA Galaxy the other night. Yeah, I mean, he's like still amazing for them. Um, perfect. All right, I've got some fun facts for you, Ed. You, you want some fun facts? I want fun facts. Germany were the first country to introduce daylight savings. And the thing about this is they did it in 1916. And that feels like a weird time to do like a big admin thing. (laughs) (laughs) You do think there's some other stuff they're worried about. (laughs) Probably it was war related, right? Yeah, yes, you'd imagine. Um, So Mexico, 
right, is home to a very rare rabbit called the volcano rabbit, which lives near Mexican volcanoes. Now, the thing that drew my attention to this was I think the volcano rabbit is an amazing name, a nickname for like a speedy, prolific Mexican striker, the volcano rabbit. So whoever the next one of those is, he should definitely go by the nickname. They've got a striker called El Chucky. Yes, they have. Yeah, because he used to, uh, Herving Lozano used to hide under his teammates' bed at youth level and jump out and scare them. Um, and Chucky is absolutely terrifying. So yes, he he's been sent off a whole bunch of times, El Chucky. Uh, <laughs> he was, he's a fairly frightening prospect it, as a player. He was linked to United. Um, in fact, I once he's good player. He's good player. I once got a DM from a Mexican journalist asking me if I had any contacts with the United board because they wanted to verify whether the links were real. <laughs> I, I, I had to disappoint that gentleman. Sweden, fun fact about Sweden, it's where Zlatan Ibrahimovic is from, which has wiped out all other possible facts. Sorry, I don't make the rules. Zlatan does. Um, that's the same with South Korea, but for Jisung Park. No, but seriously, both the tiger and the rabbit are important Korean folk symbols. And some Koreans say that the Korean peninsula is shaped like a tiger and others like a rabbit. And both animals are found in Korean folk tales and folk art. And I've decided to make as many of these facts as possible about rabbits in some way. Mm. Um, and anything going on in the Korean Palinta this week that we should talk about? No, definitely not. G- in politics cast? No, but I, w- I would say that Jisung Park did have rabbits at his wedding. Um, and I always thought that was a s- spectacular wedding it was. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the Korean side are probably, I think, going to finish bottom of this group. Um, and I think that, I, I think Germany are going to win it because, I mean, listen this is the combination of playing squad and a manager who will have absolutely, he won't learn anything new about being at major international tournaments. He's surely he's the manager at this tournament with most tournament experience. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the managers of all time with most tournament experience when it's all said and done. And certainly like levels of success it got to the semi-final or better in, every tournament since 2008 I think and that's including Euros obviously so and they keep churning out players as yeah well. exactly uh, Joshua Kimmich might be an amazing superstar at this World Cup you know and he wasn't at the last one but they still got this kind of solid core that quite possibly the best fullback on the planet right now yeah and 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 anywhere else he wants to play because <laughs> yeah, he can exactly so you know I, I think Germany will kind of be be pretty much in control of this group and then I think Sweden Sweden you know without Zlatan really are the kind of cliche of what you expect Sweden to be well organized 442 quite dull no superstars you know there was talk about Zlatan coming back but I think that was just Zlatan talking nonsense really um so I've gone Germany Mexico Sweden South Korea and Mexico to lose to Brazil in the second round poor old Mexico group G we've got two more groups to go Paul no yeah the home straight is here all right, very good. Uh, so, Belgium, Panama, Tunisia and England in Group G. Uh, for King Harry and whatever. <laughs> Cry God for Harry, England and St. George. You're quoting, quoting Henry V, once more under the breach, dear friends, once more no. we'll close the wall up with our English dead. Is that what you're saying, Ed? Uh, absolutely not. I I, uh, I was, uh, for very different reasons, looking up some Shakespeare the other day. Right. Um, uh, based on a New Yorker article, this is going to sound very highbrow, <laughs> that I was reading about the use of the word feckless. 
<laughs> just to bring it down I mean, a little of bit. Of course. I mean, who didn't know that that's where that was going? Oh, of course. Uh, Shakespeare, not only did he like the word an awful lot, uh, but he was actually very, very creative with how he used it. Yep. Uh, he often just alluded to it, uh, talking about country matters quite a lot. There you go. Let's move on, shall we? Belgium. Belgium, who did the most sensible thing they could possibly do with their insanely talented group and sacked Mark Wilmot. <laughs> yeah. Um, which they had to do, because uh, why take all that talent and just you know suck it all out of them then they did a really 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 weird thing and appointed roberto martinez and i was just like what about his time at wigan and everton said i know what (laughs) belgian manager but he's done a good job with it i think it's a really good appointment i i'm i don't ever hear anyone else say this and generally speaking that makes me assume i'm badly mistaken like the probably no probably completely right but for some reason he fits. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, when when they made the appointment, I thought, this makes sense. He's going to really concentrate on attacking football, play possession-oriented football. His Everton side ran out of steam and, and faltered towards the end of his career, but there were a couple of seasons where they were really good. He's got a really good relationship with Romelu Lukaku. And you can just imagine Roberto Martinez absolutely smashing a job interview, just like walking in there, Totally prepared, totally confident. He does have that kind of... He talks a very good game, Martinez does. Yeah, he does. Scored 43 goals in qualification, which, let me tell you, is a lot. And then he appointed Thierry Henry to make it, like, sexy and fun. So it's it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hazard, De Bruyne, Witzel, Tielemans, Monaco's Tielemans. Um, You know, tons and tons of attacking talent. Uh, Vermeilen... Barely ever plays, but he's in the squad. Vertonghen, company, barely ever plays, but he's in the squad. Alderweireld, barely ever plays, but he's in the squad. If they can stay fit, they've got a great attack and a great defence and loads and loads of quality across midfield too, you know. Strength and depth's an, an issue for Belgium. Yeah. Um, but they've got 15 very good, very, very good players. United connection loads. Lukaku, Fellaini, both in the squad. He, I mean, he might not be a United <laughs> connection by the time the tournament starts. We'll see. Also... Also, and this is interesting, Ananyanazai. I might as well do a bad boy who could do anything. I really hope, I hope so much that he absolutely nails this World Cup so that I can dig out all my articles from 2014, which have lain dormant since, saying (laughs) the hype's real. It's not just hype. He really is the real deal. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. It's amazing. That's such a brilliant... Thing. I was a really interesting article in 442 about how De Bruyne and Hazard, I think I mentioned this earlier with a, a different team, but De Bruyne and Hazard are very much causing a bit of a Lampard Gerrard problem um, because they mm-hmm. really do just want to occupy the same spaces. And when you think about it, of yeah. course, they, they do. Um, yeah, they'd be good moving De Bruyne back into central midfield. That's, that's I think. what Martinez did, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and then he left out, bold move this one, he left out Rajan Nangolan. Yeah. So, you know, and been a mainstay of the side for a long time and and obviously you know if they if they fail the finger's going to be pointed you know for that reason yeah. but it was a bold move and i think it was it was a move about squad cohesion and yeah. you know England's a bit of a bad boy and you know and martinez apparently flew out to meet with him to tell him all about it you know which i think is the very much the decent thing to do compared to kind of glenn hoddle dropping people by text message and stuff you know 
That's right. Uh, the story about Gareth Southgate calling Gary Cahill and Cahill didn't want to take it, assuming that he'd been left out of the England squad. And eventually Southgate leaves a voicemail saying, not all voicemails are bad, you know. <laughs> um, there's a, this is a, well, we're going to talk about England in a minute, so I'll save it for that. What, what else have we got not England-wise in this group? Oh, no, I want a fun fact about Belgium. Fun, fun fact. Well, you know, like, like I was thinking, oh, Belgium's chocolate. So, you know, praline chocolates were invented in Belgium. Right. 1912. Thank you, Belgium. World's number one exporter of chocolate, 220,000 tons a year. But that's not that's not a that's not a good fun fact, is it? No, Belgium is associated with Belgium. Chocolate. Belgium. Belgium apparently invented cricket. Wow. Okay. Okay. You got me. That is a good fun fact, Ed. That is a solid... uh, some academics believe that um, immigrants from North Belgium could well have imported the game to Britain based on a, a poem found and thought to be from 1533, which not only mentions cricket but wickets. Nice. And Jeffrey Boycott, amazingly. (laughs) Amazingly, he was still blocking in 1533. (laughs) Now, what you Um, you do I want to do here is... Anyway, I won't do it. I won't do the voice. Might explain why the England cricket team is so bloody awful right now. Uh, Also in this squad, Panama uh, and Tunisia. Panama uh, came through CONCACAF, uh, qualified uh, reasonably... Uh, reasonably well. Um, really dramatic, though, how they qualified. Yeah. So it looked like the US are, were going to qualify um, from the hex, uh, the second stage of CONCACAF qualifying. Um, uh, Panama needed to beat Costa Rica um, and they needed Trinidad and Tobago to beat the US. And that all came true and very, very late in the day as well. Um, so, you know, incredibly dramatic and traumatic for the US to, to miss out. Um, not a lot of star players, you know, most of the players are around Latin America or a lot in the MLS, um, a couple in Europe, not many. Um, captain is Roman Torres, who I've actually seen play a couple of times, he plays for Seattle Sounders. Right. Uh, he's built like a brick shithouse. <laughs> he scored um, He scored the goal that sent them through, I think, if I'm not right. mistaken, and, and got a lovely round of applause from, from the MLS fans, which he said he was very grateful for because he was a bit worried he was going to get booed. What I've seen of him... A little bit agricultural <laughs> in his style. <laughs> Might give a few players a bit of a kicking. Um, uh, they uh, they have a manager in Hernan Dario Gomez who's uh, been there and done it before. He's previously manager of uh, Colombia. United Connection couldn't find one. No. You know, I, I don't know. And, you know, United done any tours to Panama? Couldn't, couldn't see no it. No idea. Players. So, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Ship Canal, Panama Canal. There you go. That's true. Should be a twin city, really, country. Um, Republic of Mancunia and the Republic of Panama. Fun fact. Um, uh, Hernan Dario Gomez is one of four people to have led at least three different national teams to the World Cup. So he, he went with Colombia uh, and Ecuador previously. Right. The others are Henri Michel, Bora Milosinovic, who's actually done five. That's impressive. And Carlos Alberto, who's also done five. Wow. Very good. Good fun fact. Uh, Tunisia. So, yeah, Tunisia. Paul Scholes, 1998. Oh, what a sunny, warm, happy day that was. Look, looking at the caps, number of caps in the Tunisian side, they're ranked 14th in the world in the FIFA rankings, Tunisia, by the way. Wow. Um, they haven't qualified for any World Cups in ages. Since 98, right? I, don't, I can't yeah. remember them being there. Um, but looking at the squad, it looks really inexperienced. I mean, can't say I really know any of the players. Um, they've got a um, uh, 20-year-old midfielder, Bassem Srafari, who um, uh, was very good at Nice this season, apparently. Um, they tried to call up Sammy Kadira's brother, 
because um, uh, Tunisian heritage. Uh, he's called Rani Kadira. Plays for Augsburg. He's the younger brother. He looks remarkably like Sammy. Funnily enough, that's how DNA works. Uh, but he turned them down. Yeah, holding out for that Germany Cup or other teams that he might be qualified for. Yeah, that was my fun fact, by the way. Well, that was not a fun fact. <laughs> oh. I mean, it was all right. Listen, it was all right. It's been a long show. It's... United never had a Tunisian player. Let's move on to England. Yeah, shall let's we? do it. So, um... uh, probably won't be England's year, is what I wrote in my notes. I mean, but but looking at how Spain and Germany did it. They did it by winning lots of under-20 tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it won't be England's year this year, but England un- won the under-20 World Cup, won the under-17 under World Cup, won the under-19 European Championships, have won the Toulon tournament for the third year running. Um, you know, this is this appears to be a pattern. Um, bit of a problem that in the Premier League, young English players can't really get a game. But, but they're starting um, to you know. they're starting to move to the Bundesliga like like they exactly. definitely should. They're moving to the Bundesliga <laughs> to get a game. It's sensible, sensible move from a few players. Um, Southgate's, you know, he's he can't have been high on anyone's list but the FAs, right? He's an F, FA insider. He was seen as one of the grey suits, um, but he's got the team playing possession football. He's they're playing with three at the back. Bit prosaic, I'd say. You know, England, given the amount of attacking talent, but he's he's made some really sensible decisions. Not not least dropping Joe Hart, very very sensible. Rooney got rid um, of him pretty quick. Got rid of Rooney really really quickly. Um, he's made it seem more accessible to the media. They might actually get some positive coverage. We'll see how long that lasts. If they get a dodgy result in the opening game, but um, you know, it's it's the most inexperienced squad in the whole tournament in terms of number of caps per head. Um, which is, you know, and and a very very young squad as well, which will probably tell when they get to a you know bigger games if um, <laughs> if they get to some bigger games. I mean, you know, like um, it it will be a tough group. You know, um, Panama and Tunisia will not be a rollover, and Belgium are really top side and much much more experienced. So, you know, if if they get out of that Belgium game with a point, that'll be really good. The the thing about it, the the Southgate. I mean, you know, we we kind of had some jokes on the on the show because I was saying that Allardyce is like a perfectly reasonable appointment for England, um, and that feels like a. I can't believe how far how balls deep you are you're in. Allardyce, that really sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just to be clear, Paul has never been balls deep in Allardyce. Thank you for clarifying that. No, I mean, I, I, I thought that you get a guy who's going to kind of maximise, you know, play, play kind of percentage football, and it won't be much fun to watch. But actually, you might get them to be a kind of coherent squad and do something in a tournament, you know. But I'm not, and and I wasn't excited by the appointment of Southgate at all, but. It's been the biggest surprise in football in the last couple of years for me. Just how assured he is, how progressive his thinking is, how kind of the the man management stories you hear are really excellent. And so this is, I was going to mention this earlier, but there is an amazing Rob Smythe piece on Eurosport about um, World Cup 98. And it draws a few comparisons between Southgate and Glenn Hoddle and points out that Hoddle was always quite suspicious of playing Southgate because he wasn't that good on the ball. And Southgate has now dropped Chris Smalling for not being good enough on the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really. And, you know, decisions like that, the heart decision, it, the kind of not going with the status quo, waiting, dropping Gary Cahill when he dropped in form, bringing him back into the side when his form picked up. You know, the, these are smart decisions. And, and you know, the Jesse Lingard thing... There's a lot of managers who wouldn't think to put put Jesse Lingard in the side 
you know, maybe this season is a bit different because he's he's kind of he's shown his utility in a really dramatic way a number of times. But the 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 sense that England are actually building something. You know, we had all this talk recently this season because Rio Ferdinand and Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard were all on BT Sport talking about kind of basically coming clean about how their generation just wouldn't talk to each other on international duty because they were they were such fierce rivals in the Premier League that it felt like a kind of betrayal of their day-to-day. And Rio was saying in a recent interview that this is not the case for the current side because there's no dominant force in English football and there's no there's no fierce direct um practical rivals I mean there's fierce direct emotional rivals but not for kind of league titles so it, the mm. idea that you could be mates in the squad seems much more realistic now hmm. yeah and and it does feel like there's a good team spirit around the squad yeah um so like the thing that'll make a difference between England you know losing in the early knockout rounds or or going much further is if Southgate can get the most out of his attacking players. Yes. You know, I, I think actually defensively England will be pretty solid because they actually have loads of great options, um, loads of ball-playing options. Um, you know, I think Harry Maguire uh, will play. Carl Walker may play in the three, may play at, at the you know right wing-back. Either's great. Uh, Gary Cahill may or may not play, but it doesn't actually matter. Phil Jones will almost certainly start yeah. for England, and he's looked good in recent games. You know, and and at left back they've got uh, or left wing back they've got Rose or Young, yeah, sh- two, two very good options. Shout, so. out, shout out to Danny Rose, by the way. Much love, much love. Ah, uh, right, yes, very, 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 uh, very, very. I was going to say brave. That's the wrong thing, but um, very personal interview he gave. Yeah. And and maybe I don't know whether you want to use the word brave or not, but I don't think you can use any word other than courageous to talk about these kind of things in in the wider sphere when you're when you're an England player in the lead up to World Cup. Yeah, so. but you know that that kind of interview, which came uh, in a sort of um, NFL style all day, mm. uh, where the press were allowed to rotate around tables with. Uh, with the players it was because of the kind of open spirit that Southgate's brought into the squad. Yeah. I can't believe I'm actually like, you know, effusing about England. It feels wrong. I mean, the thing about it is I haven't been excited about an England side since 2006, probably maybe 2008. I hadn't been totally heartbroken yet by then, but, but this, this England squad, not like, Oh, we're going to win the world cup. I don't mean that, but it could be fun to watch England play and they could do something. They could, you know, a quarterfinal seems very, very realistic for England in, in this tournament, I think. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Quarterfinal feels realistic. Yeah. Um, so uh, what what will uh, Southgate get out of those attacking players? I mean, he's got Deli Ali, Lingard might be competing for one spot, maybe not. You know, Ali's not had his best season, although obviously he's been very good for Spurs over the last few years. Lingard's the only player, as I said, who will run ahead of the ball. Everyone else wants it into their feet, which I do think is a bit of a problem. Um, they got Harry Kane, who's scored 30-odd goals again this season. Um, Marcus, obviously. Um, uh, obviously, Raheem Sterling scored 20-odd goals in the, the Premier League this season. You know, I almost feel sorry for him. He gets such bad press. Well, I do feel sorry yeah, for him. Feels... But he's a City, he is a city I player. Mean, but, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, but... I'd rather, I'd rather he, he was being hammered for poor performances than what he actually gets hammered yeah, for. Yeah, it doesn't matter so, what, what team he plays for if the reasoning behind the abuse he receives yeah. is so utterly disgraceful. 
uh, <laughs> David Squires in The Guardian. I don't normally like his cartoons, but basically, because uh, uh, he's very long-winded and not that witty, but uh, his piece about Raheem Sterling was, don't be rich and black yeah. and they'll leave you alone. Yeah. Uh, which is desperately sad and also true. Um, so anyway, look, loads of attacking talent, I think, very solid um, at the back. Midfield is interesting because, you know, who do they play there? Um, you know, Jordan Henderson. Jordan? Jordan. <laughs> World Cup talk, isn't it? <laughs> World Cup talk, yeah. You sprinted on the accident. Um, you know, he's he's not that good. No. Sorry, Liverpool fans. Uh, Fergie was right. Not sure about his gait. <laughs> But <laughs> it's right for not buying him. Um, um, Eric Dyer, who I think is a much better player, but still, you know, he is a little ponderous, isn't he? But he's got a you know, great range of passing, can play, can drop back into a three mm-hmm. when he's going to play there, which means he's a much better player for that system. Um, obviously, he's got a very solid free kick on him. Um, but, you know, central midfield is the one where you think, mm, they've got lots of great attacking players and, lot, you know, I think they'll be solid defensively. Central midfield is the thing that will undo them eventually. Yep. Um, I think England will probably finish second just, and it might be goal difference, um, and end up playing Germany in the quarterfinals and will go out then. That's my prediction. Yeah, this is the thing, because I think the, the thing that England have really got going for them is that, I mean, so to come to Group H, it does matter whether England top the group or not, because it's probably going to make the difference between playing Colombia or not in the second round. And I think that would be, that's going to be a tricky, tricky game. There's some very, very fine players in that Colombia side who could mm. exploit England's weaknesses in midfield essentially but to, to to kind of talk a little bit about group h which columbia or poland right well no i don't think that's nailed on by any means so this is this is right up there with the groups that i'm most excited about watching so it's not the 80s anymore and like we can all watch football from all around the world if we take the time to do so i mean especially if you kind of include illegal streaming sites and legal streaming sites like the gambling websites and stuff um so but if you don't spend every waking hour watching football from all around the world, you can still definitely be really surprised and pleasantly surprised by what you see at World Cup. So these four sides are among the sides I know the least about, maybe with the exception of Colombia. You've, I mean, there's Lewandowski, Sadio Mane playing playing for, and Shinji Kagawa, players that we know playing for all these sides and Falcao and James for Colombia. But there's going to be, for me personally, there's going to be a lot of discovery in watching this group. And it's, I'm really excited about that. So no current United interest, but you know, heartbreaking ex United interest because Falcao, lo, 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 gone, not forgotten. (laughs) It wasn't very good though, was he? Um, No, but he's good again now. Shinji, sadly. Oh yeah. And Shinji, of course, for Japan, but he, he was, he's good again now like Falcao's has come back from the injury and he's been banging him in from Monaco for two seasons now and, and fairly consistently at that. So I'm, I'm happy that Falcao's kind of back. Um, and Shinji, mm. yeah, talk about heartbreaking X reds the team we could have been with Shinji Kagawa at number 10. <sighs> anyway, so I'm not convinced that, we're going to say like Poland are definitely going to finish second in this. I, I think there's, I don't see why Senegal couldn't finish second in this group, really. Uh, qualified strong from African qualification. And, you know, uh, Sadio Mane is, is their star man by, by a country mile. But I don't know. I, I can't not predict any African teams to get through to the second round. That upsets me too much to do that. And since I didn't predict Nigeria in that group, um, uh, uh, or yeah, or or Morocco in theirs. I'm I'm going with uh, I'm going with Senegal to get through. 
All right. Got some, got some fun facts for you, though. Got some fun facts. You, you didn't get my England fun fact, but Oh, no. Just, What's your England fun fact? <sighs> oh, oh, it's a good one. It's not fun, though. No. England is the only non-sovereign state at the World Cup. Well, now that is actually quite interesting. That is an interesting fact. And that's not a Brexit statement. <laughs> it's because he, England's a, <laughs> a, a portion of the United Kingdom. Yes, yes I realise that that was not Brexit related. Yeah, oh, our sovereignty's gone. <laughs> anyway. Um, right, Colombia, right? Colombia has got the tallest palm trees in the world. Now, that, wow. that is not a very fun fact when you hear it said in an audio format, but I implore you, ladies and gentlemen, to look up the pictures of the tall palm trees because they are fun to look at. They are really, really tall. It's this one valley where these ridiculously tall palm trees grow and they're like 60 metres wow. tall. They look, they look really... It's not what you think about when you think about Colombia. No, I, I tried to stay away from that. Um, this one's quite... Coffee, I was thinking about coffee. <laughs> big, I'm a big fan of coffee, as you know. This one's slightly upsetting when you think about it in any detail, but Senegal is translated from the from the Wolof words Sunugal, which means our boat, because when the colonists came, that's what the people kept saying, hey, that's our boat. But the oh, colonists God. thought they were learning the name of the country. I don't know whether that's true, but it's an upsetting fact um this one right is a proper fun fact in poland when foreign movies are dubbed for polish tv one man reads all the parts even of the women and children and viewers hear the original english quietly in the background i looked this up to make sure it was true because it seemed like it, it must be made oh up. like on the news yeah or something like exactly. that exactly so you just got one person so they don't dub they just have someone speaking over. yeah yeah exactly huh. which is really yeah i mean that seems super weird it's to weird me. Um, maybe if anyone's Polish is listening, they can tell me that this doesn't happen anymore or something. Uh, fun fact about Japan. I mean, Japan is a country where you can get like an awful lot of fun facts um, in one way or another. But this one, this one tickled me. 98%, 98% of adoptions that take place in Japan are of male adults so that family businesses can stay within those families. that is a big that means 2% of adoptions are because a baby needs to be adopted that's that's (laughs) pretty extraordinary ladies and gentlemen you might want to fact check that before you use it in any capacity but that's what a list of facts about Japan said on the internet wow it's pretty good who's going to win this group um, I think that Colombia are going to... I mean, Colombia are the best side in this group by a long way, and I've got Senegal second. because, But that's because I want it to be true, not because I think it's necessarily true in, in Poland or Japan. Very good. We finished the group stages. We have some other things to talk about. Yeah. So... We, we are going to finish this inside two hours, people. Yes. We're going to give you your lives back uh, any minute now. We probably are going to finish this within two hours. Um no, we, we definitely will. Well, if you had stopped talking so much. <laughs> um, so we had the question from Joey earlier, uh, but it was on our list of things that we were going to predict. So we've got to save it for the end. Who do you think is going to... Who are the top four finishers of this World Cup in order? In order? Yeah, in order. Um, all right. This is going to sound really uninspiring yeah. and not very imaginative. Uh, so I think Brazil are going to beat France 
in one semi-final and Spain are going to beat Germany in the other. Uh, Spain are going to beat Brazil in the final and um, France are going to beat Germany in the third place playoff. Uh, I've got exactly... Did you say Brazil beating Spain or Spain beating Brazil in the final? Sorry. Spain beating Brazil in the final. Yeah, my only difference that I've got from you is that I've got Germany winning the third place playoff because I think... uh, if uh, if Germany come up against France in a third place playoff, I can't imagine there's any way France are going to win that. I think they should do third place playoffs in all cup competitions. Do you? Just just that is funny. Like in the, it, watching uh, absolutely broken players <laughs> being forced to play the day before. <laughs> um, the 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 thing about this though is like that, that. So that's my that's my top four as well. But in order for that to happen, in my bracket, like. France are going to have to beat Portugal. I don't think that's nailed on by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Brazil would would have to beat France or Portugal, you know, which, again, you think that's going to happen, but there's no not necessarily going to happen. Spain have to beat Argentina on the way, um, and Germany have to beat England or Colombia or whoever. You know, so there, there are, there's, there's big obstacles to overcome for anyone that wants to get to the semi-final of this World Cup because I think there are more than four really good teams in this World Cup, as well as the four we've mentioned, Argentina, Portugal, maybe Belgium, maybe England could do bits and you know i don't think england are quite on that level but but there there are good teams at this world cup and and i yeah i kind of i kind of in a weird way i was thinking about like what i'd like to happen so obviously i'd love it if england won the world cup that's probably not going to happen slightly more realistic it'd be amazing to see france win it again again i'm I'm not convinced that Charles is going to make that happen the, the thing I'd like to happen next most, I think, is Messi winning the World Cup with Argentina just to shut all the people up and say, oh, yeah, but he's never won the World Cup, has he? Because it's the stupidest argument I've ever heard. Oh, he's not a decent player until he does. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> is anyone saying... Fact. Also, Jordan Henderson should play at centre-back for England. <laughs> um, and, then, and, then, and then I think I would like to see Spain once again kind of ascend in another generation to I, I don't know if i'd say i'd like to see that i think it's quite but they just win everything everything it's not just the national team all the club sides win everything too. but i think that would mean that in the last 10 years like spain would have won four international tournaments and like a hundred european championships of some kind yeah it's yeah it's not right no it's not right but but I just, I don't know, I quite like the fact that they decided one day that, wait a minute, little tiny lads tippy-tapping it about the place is actually the most effective way to play this game. And then that turns out to be true, you know. something Something's weirdly heartening about that. Mm. All right, so given that we think both are saying that Spain are going to win and Brazil's going to come second, who do you think will be voted player of the tournament? Now, I'm not talking about who you think would be the best player of the tournament. I'm talking about who you think will get the FIFA award for best player of the tournament. Uh, well, if Brazil gets to the final, it's going to be Neymar, isn't it? Yeah, that's, it? Exactly, that's he's exactly what I've got. The, the most popular and, uh, and you know, the sponsors will have ensured that it happens. Yeah, Messi won the 2014 player of the tournament, Lionel Messi. But he was yeah. not the best player in that tournament. Who do you think, this isn't on the list, but who do you think is going to be the actual best player in the tournament? Yeah, well, it could well be Neymar. I mean, he's in a good side and he's the star man. Yeah. 
So, which is what he wants. And and for all the drama of the transfer and all the celebrity that goes around him, he's a very good player. Oh yeah, I mean he's almost amazing. been forgotten amid, <laughs> amid, you know, amidst the sort of you know the 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 advertising um, hoarding that he has become. Yeah. So, top goal scorer. This one's a difficult one um, because uh, of the best teams, France are, uh, you know, a bit more sort of collegiate, aren't they? Uh, it's not going to be Giroud. I don't, don't think he'll start. Um, Mbappe, well, he, he didn't really score like that um, in huge amounts of bursts of goals. Um, Brazil, Neymar could could get six or seven. Of course he could. Spain, Diego Costa, does he have it in him to score that many goals? Again, it's going to come from all over the... All over the um, all over the team, isn't it? So yeah, I don't know how to pick this one. It could well be Neymar again, but that sounds like a really boring answer. I've gone for Griezmann because my my general the way I pick top goal scorers at World Cup is look at who's got who in the group stages. Yeah, because one of them's going to score a hat trick, and as soon as someone does that, they're you know in with the shout. Aren't yeah, they? so I'm going for Griezmann back to back tournaments as top scorer again. That's what I want to happen, and then like uh, I predicted earlier that the best United player at this tournament is going to be David Gea because I'm predicting Spain to win the tournament so like obviously David Gea is very likely to have a very good World Cup if uh, if his national side win the tournament and United's the rest of United's I mean I would love I would love nothing more than for the best United player this summer to be Paul Pogba that would be amazing but yeah of course I, I totally forgot Timo Werner Germany they they finally have a striker mm. Yeah, you know, and he's he's scoring plenty of goals now for Leipzig. So yeah. he he could well be uh, when he gets something. It won't just be all on Thomas Muller. No, absolutely, or Miroslav Klose. <laughs> he's, he's probably still playing, isn't <laughs> yeah, he? He's like sixty sure and at his nineteenth World Cup in a row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that just about brings us to the end of our World Cup preview. I mean, oh, it's going to be good, Paul. Yeah, um, it's going to be good. I'm really excited about it. I, I am just annoyed, as I was saying earlier, that I've got a work thing for the first two days, and I'm going to be in China for a week. So, yeah, that's going to be awkward timing-wise. I'm just so excited for the Saturday when there are four games, like just four World Cup games in the same day. Oh, so exciting! So exciting. Let's think. Two beers per half. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, it could be. It could be very interesting. Not drinking is a great advantage during the World Cup because you you can get through a lot more games that way. All right. Thank you to everyone that's listened to this. Again, I would highly recommend going and listening to the Talking Tactics um, series because it's a it's a they've done a group a day and each each group is about an hour. Um, so I highly recommend going back and listening to that if you want more in depth. Um, preview stuff we'll be back i think we're going to try and do a show every week um we work around the dates when ed's in china um but yeah i think we're gonna we're gonna try and do a show every week and and make them as timely as we can i mean i wish ideally wish we were in a position to just do daily podcasts during the world cup but unfortunately this is not our job so um the people that can do that tend to be people whose job it is so yeah, that would be fun, yeah. but uh, not going to happen, peeps. So we'll <laughs> we'll try and do one a week, um, um, and uh, you know, there's plenty of other podcasts out there. Apparently, yeah. uh, a massive thanks to producer Tom for producing this epic of a show. Um, we cut it down; it's like half the length of last time we did the World Cup. So you're welcome, Tom. Very good, <laughs> uh, and uh, we played you in with the uh, the theme tune uh, from the world's most popular game. Is it? 
something. I don't know. It's the best version of that game ever, though, which is the original Game Boy version. Uh, we're going to play you out with this absolute banger from Hey Dougie. The World Cup Rankcast, as all Rankcasts, are brought to you by the people that crowdfund us at patreon.com slash rankcast thank you to everyone who's signed up recently to do that normally um people who back the show at five dollars plus vat a month um get access to some bonus content because of the ridiculous length of the show this week we uh, didn't do bonus content but throughout the world cup they will be getting that um if you want to get involved head to patreon.com slash rankcast uh, and if you don't want to get involved it'd be super helpful to us um if you don't want to get involved in that capacity i mean It'd be super helpful to us if you can do the kind of um, reviews on iTunes are great if they're five-star reviews. Um, and just, like, tell your friends if if you've got friends that listen to podcasts um, or if you've got friends that don't listen to podcasts but would you think might be interested in hearing lengthy discussions about Manchester United, um, let them know about the show. And, of course, you can tweet about it and Facebook it and Instagram it and all that stuff because um, all that really helps us build a, an audience for a show of people that might like to listen to us rabbiting on about Manchester United for hours and hours and hours and occasionally rabbiting on about other things like international tournament football with its requisite fun facts. Anyway, that's enough talking from me. We'll be back next week.